My name's Jonathan Nato, and I'm a blind guy. Hey, everybody. My name is Hamad Zaidi, and I have a disability. And this is Limping on Cloud Nine. It certainly is. Jonathan, how are you doing today, man? Uh, everything is going great. Uh, the New England weather has been fantastic. My wife says I say fantastic too much, but I, I don't think you can say fantastic enough. Um, yeah, that, that's a word <laughs> that you can never get tired of. If you're using that word on a daily or even hourly basis, <laughs> it, your life is pretty good. It's It's been in the like the, the low to mid-70s. Oh, man, I, I could take this weather all day long every day, so it's it's been great. You know, I'm loving the weather out here in Redondo Beach, California, although it is a lot warmer than it usually is. Mm. Weather in Redondo is usually high 60s to mid 70s. Oh, man. For the past week, it's been in the mid 80s, and I'm loving it. And all my neighbors are like, dude, you're an idiot. It's too hot. It's too hot. And I'm like, I know I'm an idiot, but it's not too hot. I'm loving it. I'm I, loving bet, I it. bet you when you go like into the city, it probably goes up like 10 degrees or so, right? When, when you kind of like leave the beach area? Actually, a lot more than 10 degrees, more like 15 to 20. Ooh, so if it's, if it's 84 here in, in Redondo, it'll be 98 or 100 in LA. Okay, then, man. In L.A. proper, because yeah. Redondo still is Los Angeles County. Yeah. But, I mean, like, downtown. Right, right. Like, in the midst of it. In the midst of it. Yeah. So, today, my friend, we're going to talk about a case for never giving up. Nice. In the form of my love, fascination, and undying chase to get on the radio. Oh, okay. That sounds good. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so... And this doesn't count, because I I did find my way in the radio before we started doing this podcast. Okay, okay. But I wanted to take everyone back. For those of you who follow this podcast, I used to loiter at a record store when I was between 12 and 15 years old in Oberlin Park, Kansas, and it was called Tiger Records. After the first year of being at the record store, they built a DJ booth so they could spin records for people in the store. Nice. Right? Yeah. And they were so cool there. They actually taught me how to do it. And, you know, I can only use one hand, so I really had to figure it out. Yeah. Right? And not just how to do it, because I knew how to use a record player. I had a record player at home. But they taught me how to, when you're spinning a record, you know, before CDs were around. Yeah. You'd have to spin the record backwards until you heard the beginning of the song. Right. And then spin it another one and a quarter times. Uh, to, to, you know, to ramp it up, kind of. To, to ramp it up yeah. so it could catch speed before you got on the radio. Yeah, right? yeah. So I kind of already knew this. And I, I mean, I learned it there. So I already knew it before I wanted to find an opportunity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... The other thing is, Jonathan, it's funny, I wasn't about, I wasn't going to mention the following, but I think it's kind of funny. My entire life, people have always told me I have a really odd voice, you know? Yeah. And, and even when I was in my 20s, I would call credit card companies. Yeah. And they'd call me ma'am. Really? All, all the time. They're I, don't, like, I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And... You know, I used to say, well, I'm not a woman. And then they'd chuckle. So then I even stopped saying that. Oh, right? man, that's brutal. That's it's brutal. brutal. They would chuckle. Oh, they man. would, man. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, and sometimes I'd get mad and I'd be like, are you laughing? They go, no, 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 sorry. We had, we had something in our throat. Yeah. Oh, man. You, you had a pound of laughter in yeah. your throat. They just had to let out. Right, right. right. 
So I've always been told I have a unique and awkward voice, right? Mm. Growing up and in my adulthood. So these are two elements that I knew, that I have a weird voice and I love records. I should be on the radio, right? Yeah. So I get to high school. My high school was grades 10 through 12. Ninth grade was still junior high. Ah, okay, okay. Right? I get to high school in 10th grade. I'm in there for the first month. And I see that there's a radio TV film class. Mm. And I'm like, man, I've got to take that, right? So then I see that there's a high school radio station. Nice. And I'm like, I've got to get on that. I've got to. And then after I was told about the high school radio station, I went to the teacher and said, listen, no one here loves music more than me. Music is life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I I listened to it every single day in my life. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Incidentally, she was the same teacher that docked me a letter grade. Oh, for your um, your football uh, paper about the coach, right? Yeah, yeah, for for my uh, prop, my TV, oh, that's right. TV yeah, news that's right. broadcast. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Cl- claiming that UCLA was going to win the Rose Bowl. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Same teacher. Yeah. So she's like, "Well, tryouts are soon." I'm like, "What do you have to do for a tryout?" And she goes, "You have to make a mixtape or, re- or record your voice." Mm. Man, I even remember the song. It was the Genesis song. That's all, right? Mm, yeah. And and right before I recorded. Uh, you know, I'm like, do I just go with Hamad? Do I go by a fake name? Do you know? Do yeah, I yeah. Do try you have to like make a, D- a DJ name snazzy? or something? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and I went through many incarnations. I went through like <laughs> I did. I went through like my regular name. I went through Camel Jockey. I went through a lot of things. Right? Camel Jockey. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Only because oh, a friend man, of mine I, at the time would always teasingly call me the camel jockey. Oh right? man, that's hilarious! It's it's so funny. It's so funny you can like make fun of yourself that way. That's hilarious. Well, you know, I figure in life, as I've said, and as you've said before, you either laugh at yourself or you get really bitter. And yeah. I'm not a bitter person, yeah. so I chose to laugh at myself. Oh man, I would have stuck with that one. Yeah, exactly. This day and age, though, I don't think that name would fly. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, you're that's that's insulting. You're not, you know, being politically correct or whatever." But oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I was called a sand. I'm not going to say the word, yeah, but a yeah. sand n word many right. times. Man. Right? Yeah. Not not from my friends, obviously. Right. But anyway, getting back to the the radio thing, I make this tape. I spend like 19 hours on it, mm. and I'll tell you. Well, I'll probably I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but. I'll tell you why it took me so damn long to make it. Mm. Back then, my recording device was one of those old, cheap-ass devices. People today won't even remember them. But the thing is, while you were recording, yes, nothing else could be going on in the background or, or it would get on the recording. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. So it wasn't a direct record. Right. Right? So I'd be saying, hey, this is the camel jockey here at KSMS FM, blah, 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 blah. And then Mona or Dolly and my mom would walk into the room and be like, hey, dinner time. Right. Hey, like, hey, 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 Hamad, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And then when they found out what I was doing, they'd purposely disrupt it. Oh, right? man, yeah. And then they'd get upset because I'm, I'm in the living room and I'm taking all the time, right? Because the main stereo system was in the living room. Right. So I, kinda, I had to be there. Right. 
I finally get it done. I turn it in. I am so sure it's going to work. So sure. And what happens, man? She was probably just like, ah, your voice is too weird or whatever. Like, She's like, I don't choose the current DJs who are students. Choose the incoming crop. Okay. And you weren't even on the first list for the cut. Right? Okay. And I'm like, damn. So then a year goes by. I get into my 11th grade year. I'm like, I'm a year older. I still love music a lot. I know a lot more about DJs. I listen to DJs all of the time. Yeah. I listen to local DJs. I listen to the national shows like Rockline with Bob Coburn. Yeah. I listen to, you know, uh, the Dr. Demento show, which was he's a crazy DJ that used to play Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about him a few episodes ago. Yeah. Right, right. And I listened to what they did. I listened to all the tricks. And and tricks meaning like, I bet you I'm going to say something most people don't even uh, realize, is DJs never give the time. Uh, They always say it's 15 past the hour or 18 past Uh, the hour. Oh, yeah. Because if they ever want to tape delay it, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It'll always be 15 past the hour. Right. If they are, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Little tricks like that I was learning on my own to try to bring to the table. Yeah. And then, um, you know, tryouts come out again. I make another mixtape. Boom. I fail again. Man. Right? Okay. So now my mom is like, son, I love you. Whatever you choose to do in your life is awesome. Maybe it's not going to be on the radio. And my dad, my dad is like, you'll find a way. And my mom's like, don't encourage him. He's been turned down twice. And and my dad's like, listen, our our boy's crazy. I don't think he'll ever stop trying. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Year goes by. I'm going into my senior year. And instead of just making another mixtape, what I do is I go to one of the current disc jockeys and I say, what am I doing wrong? Okay. What am I? All right. That's, that's a good plan. I mean, give me a, a hit list on what I need to cover. He gave me everything. I followed everything to a T. Okay. Still didn't make the first cut. Man. Right? So now I'm like 17 turning 18, and now I'm thinking, man, there's other factors going on here. It's, it's maybe I just suck. That's possible. Or maybe it's just a popularity contest. And I'm not one of the popular yeah, kids. Yeah, that that's possible. Choose who who gets on the radio. Right. All of them were like together. They're all friends. They're all country club members. Right. 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 I certainly was not. Right. Yeah. So that happened. Now I get to college. My grades in high school sucked, so I had to start my college career at a community college. Yeah. Two years later, I transfer into the University of Texas at Austin, which I absolutely loved and probably loved far too much because they politely asked me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think my grades dictated my, my exit to the, from the school. So I was, um, well, you know, it's weird is before that happened, I was a finance major at UT Austin. Okay. But I always wanted to make movies ever since I was a kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When I was a finance major and I was dating this really nice woman, uh, you know, at the time. 
And we were getting serious, like we were thinking about getting married, which today makes me crazy that at the age of 20, I would 19 or 20, I would even consider that. Mm. Right. And I remember my parents were moving to New Jersey. Um, I was in Texas. Right. Yeah. And I had this dream. I actually moved in with Trisha, my girlfriend, for a while. And I had this dream that I woke up with Trisha, and I was 46 years old. I had five children, and I worked at Citibank, or I worked at a bank. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a dream, man. It was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) This was the same. We did a podcast, I think, with Trisha, right? Like, that was the one you went to the San Antonio Spurs game with. Is that right? Yes, the same girl. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. You have a great memory, man. You're, <laughs> you might be one of the few people that actually listen to the details. Of this. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful person. Wonderful girl. Wonderful girl. So we, I wake up and I go, Trisha, I love you. And she goes, I love you too. And I said, but I, I said, you know what? I can't be, a, I mean, I'm struggling in finance school. I'm struggling. And she goes, you're struggling because you don't go to class. You're having too much fun. <laughs> All you have to do is actually focus. Right? And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I really want to be in film. And then she rolls her eyes and she goes, Ahmad, what are you talking about? We're probably going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're going to, like, put down our stakes here in Texas. And I'm like, yeah, but if we live in Texas, what about moving to Los Angeles? Right? Mm-hmm. What, what about going to UCLA? What about making movies? And then she's just rolling her eyes. And, and I said, you know what else? I want to be on the radio, too. And she just looked at me and she goes, well, if you want to do that stuff, I'm not your girl. Yeah, yeah. She, she, right. seemed, she seemed more wanting to, you know, like she said, get, put her stakes in the ground and get, get situated and hunker down. Basically. Yeah. So we broke up. Mm. And my mom and dad called me and they said, look, we just moved to New Jersey. You just screwed up in Texas. Why, why don't we find a school that will take you, right? Now, did your parents move from Oklahoma? No, 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 from Kansas. That's what I meant. Sorry, sorry, Kansas. That's what I meant. Yeah, well, actually, they, live, they moved from Kansas to Boston. They were in Boston for two years. Oh, nice. And Yeah, they, yeah, they lived in Wellesley Hills. Okay. For, for two years. And then they went from Massachusetts to New Jersey. Okay, all right, all right. So I was telling my dad and mom, I don't know what I want to do. I certainly don't want to live in New Jersey. I have nothing against it. But, I mean, I spent a summer there in 1980. My, my cousins still live there. Mm. But uh, it's not for me. And then a week goes by and my mom calls me and she goes, Hey, son, there's a, lake, there's a local school here called Ryder College, which is now Ryder University. Mm. Right? Back then it was Ryder College. Mm. And... You know, they want to interview you. I go to the interview, and he's like, why do you want to be at Ryder College? And I'm like, I don't know that I do. <laughs> my, my mom told me I had to come uh, do this. <laughs> but I do need to be educated. And the guy looked at me, and he goes, you know what? I actually appreciate your honesty. And I'm like, well, I didn't mean to be rude. I'm just trying to be honest. And he's like, you know, I think this, little, this college could use a guy like you you know, why don't we just try this out and see what happens? Mm. So I got in. Now, now, uh, this is this the college that you got, you got the scholarship for that went belly up? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my, my, my parents 
helped me and Ryder helped me get a scholarship. Yeah. So I got in. I'm there. And Ryder's very different from UT Austin. UT Austin had between 55 and 65,000 students. Whew, man. Okay. Right? Ryder at the time maybe had 2,000 students, okay. maybe three. Wow. Yeah. Right? There were probably lecture classes in at UT Austin that were half the size of the entire population of Ryder. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, I went to Worcester, Worcester University, and I mean, I, I think the number of students is between three and 5,000. I mean, you know, my classes were like average, like 20, 30 kids. Like there wasn't anything huge at all. Right, right. Yeah. And I remember taking a class at UT Austin from the only two American professors that were on the Hubble telescope team. That's cool. And that class was an enormous lecture hall, like yeah. five, six, seven hundred people. Man, that's that's cool. Yeah, I've never been in a class that big. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. So I'm in this tiny college. The first day of orientation, when they're going around introducing the new transfers and the new freshmen. Yeah. This woman stands up in front of the group and she goes, hi, my name is Roxanne and I run the radio station or I'm the program director. And I'm like, radio station, (laughs) (laughs) radio station. Note to self, talk to Roxanne after meeting. (laughs) Exactly. And then she goes, you know, it's 88.5 FM. It's uh, WRRC. And just to be honest for people, a writer saying he's not right. Actually, I am right. It's now 107 on the on the FM dial. Okay, right? okay. They moved up in the world. But in 1989, it was 88.5 FM. Okay, all right. So then after the presentation, I go up to Roxanne and I said, hey, are there any openings? And she looked at me and she goes, openings where? And I said, at the radio station. And she goes, do you have experience in radio? And I said, I hate to spin records at a record store. And then she just kind of smiles and she goes, actually, I'm sorry, there's not. However, there is an opening for a news director. Okay. And I'm like, a news director? What do they do? And she goes, well, they research the AP wire and they get news and then they write it up. And then they print it out and they deliver it to the disc jockeys or they read it on the air every now and then. Okay. And I'm like, how do I, how do I apply? How do I apply? And she goes, well, that's the application. How you apply is you have to cover the news for three days, the regular news for three days, write it up and send me your sample. Right? Okay. So I did it. Yeah, this, is up, this is up your alley, so. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. So I did it. Turned in my sample and didn't hear anything. Called the radio station five days later. Oh, we haven't decided yet. Called three days after that. Oh, we haven't decided yet. Called three days after that. And they're like, please stop calling us. (laughs) So so I was sure. I was so deflated. I'm like, oh, God, again, I'm being turned down. And then two, three days later, I get a phone call from Roxanne's boss. And for the life of me, I don't even remember. I don't remember her name. Mm -hmm. But her boss called and she said, hi, Hamad, can you please come in? 
I probably should have walked to the station because it was a pretty small campus, <laughs> but, but I drove. And when I got to the station, the disabled spot was taken. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is a tiny college. Why is this disabled spot taken? <laughs> Usually what I do when that, like, when that happens, I tell my wife, I'm like, check the car. Make sure they have like a disability tag. I hate it when people park there that shouldn't. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so the first thing I do is I go up to the radio station. I'm shivering. I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. And I'm usually almost never nervous, right? Mm, mm. I get up to the station. I walk in. Roxanne remembers me, and she says hi. And then she goes, how are you doing? And she goes, just wait here. You know, our boss is about to get here, the general manager. And she goes, how are you doing, Hamad? And I said, man, I'm doing great, but I'm sorry I'm running a few minutes behind. Some idiot parked in the disabled spot. Oh, man. Right outside. Oh, man. Just as I said that, the general manager, the woman, came around the corner in a wheelchair. Oh, man. It's like, that would be me. (laughs) I'm I'm the idiot. (laughs) I'm the idiot. Right. She's like, that would be me. And I'm like, I am so sorry. And she just started chuckling. She goes, don't be, don't be. But I'm here to tell you, you're hired. Nice, nice. Really? Really? And she goes, you're hired. So here's the deal. The deal is you can never be late ever again. I don't care what the deal is. News cannot be late. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. And then I said, are there any DJ openings? And she's like, do not ask me that question again. You're going to be the news director. And by the way, you're the youngest news director the station has ever hired. Man. And I'm like, wow. And you know what I was thinking? Just to be honest. You know what I was thinking? Yeah, what? I was thinking, you know, I've always been told the only thing I can do fairly well is write. Mm, mm. So I guess my writing saved, you know, got me this opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So for the next several weeks, I did the news. Okay. On, t- on time, every time, no mistakes, right? On, on time, that must have been unprecedented. Oh my God, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Was always, if I needed to do something at noon, I was there at like 11 10. I Sure, that I didn't screw up. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> Several weeks down the road, I get a call from Roxanne at like 11 o'clock at night. Okay. She goes, Hey, Hamad, how you doing? And I said, I'm well. And she goes, And she seemed frazzled. She was a program director. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. And she's like, What are you doing right now? And, and I said, just listening to the Beatles. And she goes, how'd you like to go on the air? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she, goes, she, goes, she goes, the person that has the midnight to three show is bailing. I have nobody. Can you make it? Even before I answered, I threw the phone down. And ran. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was one of those scenarios where she's like, can you make it? And you're like coming in the door. Hey, Roxanne, what's up? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was so blown away, Jonathan, man, because she, the first time she had to show me the equipment, luckily I'd already known how to back up the, the album. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and CDs were brand new. They were just getting their first CD player. Okay. Right? They were just getting their first Techniques CD player. Nice, themselves. nice. And she was teaching me everything, and then I went on the air, and 
it was like magic, man. It was so much fun, right? And then at three in the morning, she's like, you did better than I expected. Just a few things you need to work on. And she told me what those things were. Mm. And she goes, tell you what, anytime anyone wants to bail, the slot's yours. That's cool. Right? Right? Nice. The next couple of weeks, people, because no one got paid to be on the radio. Right, right. So people kind of found out that this little idiot Hamad would take your slot if you wanted to bail and go on a date or go to a concert. Yeah. And so I did that for three or four weeks. And then at the end of three or four weeks, one guy kept bailing yeah. on his slot. Yeah. And after three weeks, she's like, you know what? That's your slot now. I'm nice. Gonna fire. Nice. Right? So I did that for a year, a year and a half. It was just beyond amazing, man. Just amazing. I remember uh, meeting, you know, briefly meeting Squeeze, the band Squeeze, when they played on campus. Yeah. Uh, getting to see the Bengals up front when they played on campus. That's cool. Just, just, just incredible, man. Just so much damn fun, right? Yeah. I was on the air one day, and the Bursar's office called and said, please come to our office. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. And that was when they told me, I'm glad you enjoyed your show, but your, uh, your scholarship. Yeah has not paid in one calendar year and you can no longer be a student here at Ryder University. That stinks. Yeah, that's... But thinking back at that time, you know my most precious moment that I shared? Mm. It, uh, my parents lived 20 minutes away, but the signal didn't go that far. Oh, man, okay. And I remembered one day I was walking home at 2 in the morning or 1 in the morning, like really late night, after my show, and I noticed my parents' car in the parking lot. Oh, right? man. So they drove the, close enough to get, catch the signal. Isn't that wild? That's and I cool. go and I see my mom and dad, and I'm like, it's like past one, one close to two o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? And they were bundled up in heavy, in, in a blanket because it was cold yeah. in the middle of winter. Yeah. They had their heater on, they had a blanket on, a thick coat on, and they were drinking chai, right? Tea? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, we wanted to hear our son on the radio. Man, right? that's, that's cool. That was just the most beautiful moment. Yeah. And to wrap up this story, when I transferred to Cal State Northridge, you know, when I wanted to move to California yeah. and, and leave, I became one of the supervisors of, of the alternative show on Saturday nights at the radio station at CSUN at Cal State Northridge. Nice. And I wasn't on the radio that much. I was basically the supervisor. It was a six-hour block on Saturday nights. Okay. I'd be on the radio for two of the hours, and then I'd supervise the other four. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Now, now, but, when now when you did the radio, like back in Jersey, did did you have to like play certain things, or could you play whatever you wanted? Free format radio, man. That's cool. Free, free format radio. I, I I focused on Pink Floyd for one hour. Yeah. And I called it Floydian therapy. Yeah. I absolutely loved. And then I try to do crazy, crazy, crazy things um, like, you know, give a sock away for the third caller, like <laughs> my socks. And then, you know, it's funny that you, you asked me about it again because you just sparked two incredible memories. I remember... The at Princeton during that year, there's a flag burning ceremony. Okay. 
to protest the American government, and a bunch of Princeton students burned flags. And Princeton was about three quarters of one mile away from Ryder. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like right there. It's it's they border each other. So I remember the chaos that the news was getting that day when we had all these flags burning a mile away from us. Yeah. And I remember being on the radio saying, I would never do such a thing, but I wholeheartedly endorse the fact that it is every American's right to protest. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then, like, my my moment on the radio that I almost uh, got fired for. (laughs) Yeah, I know, yeah. There's two of them that I almost got fired for. Is and one will one will turn into another podcast. Okay, okay. But one, AIDS was brand new back then, or yeah. newer. Yeah, like right? it was just kind of breaking out in a sense, or whatever. Right, yeah. right. And I, you know, I love the Beatles a lot, and there was an AIDS awareness week, and so what I did is I sang a a parody song of yesterday. Okay. And I replaced it with, with AIDS, basically. Oh, okay, okay. And I said I'd keep singing it as long as people donated. Okay. To the cause. Yeah. So it, it was actually for a good cause, right? Yeah. And to this day, I still remember some of the lyrics. You know, I'm not going to sing it because my voice sucks. <laughs> but, but the lyrics were, yesterday, love was such an easy lay. But now we have the AIDS care today. I believe in yesterday. Mm. Suddenly, suddenly, my penis is no longer free. There's a condom slipping over me. <laughs> right. Yesterday came suddenly, and I won't say the next line is a bit too crass. But, <laughs> but I remember just getting ripped at, and I'm like, "Why am I getting ripped? I'm trying to raise money." Yeah, yeah. Like, That's insensitive. It's rude, and I thought it's not insensitive. I think it's a little funny, but. That did not go over well. <laughs> the other thing I did on the radio that went over way worse is I was uh, pledging Phi Kappa Ta at the time mm. because my best friend, who's still my best friend, Patrick Martin in Kansas, was a Phi Ta brother. And I was never really wanting to join a fraternity ever. Yeah. But he kept saying, dude. We'll be in the same fraternity. You'll be in Jersey. I'll be in Kansas. You oh, I never realized fraternities can spread across campuses like that. Oh, all the time. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I never realized that. Okay. Yeah. So he kept on saying, I'm going to endorse you. You'll, you'll get in the pledge class. And then after a tremendous amount of hazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in my final week of becoming a quote unquote brother. Yeah. Yep. When they came to me and they said, some of the brothers are not happy with your radio show. Okay. Right? And I'm like, okay. And they said, you either lose the show or you lose us. Ouch. And I thought they were joking. Right? So I'm like, well, shit, dude. I've been wanting to do a radio show since I could walk. I got turned down three times in high school and I'm not about to give this opportunity up. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, all right, or we just wanted to see if you really believed in what you were doing. All right. Two days later, they blackball me. Hmm. Which means they kicked me out yeah. of the fraternity. Yeah. Right? And so what I did is I went on the radio because they blackballed me right before I became one of them. Oh, man. Like, you got, like, right up to the closing kind of ceremony thing or whatever, and they're like, see ya. 
Two days before the closing ceremony, I got blackballed. Man. And, and so what I did, my only retaliation, which, you know, turned into a very ugly moment. <laughs> I went on the radio and had read their national private creed. Oh, man. Over and over again. Because they taught it to me. I was supposed to memorize it. Right, right. right. And then I told everyone on the radio what they did to haze us and, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just lucky that only like 11 people in a one-mile radius listen to my show. <laughs> right? But they showed up at the stadium with their uh, fists and anger, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ready to hurt me, which they did. Oh, man. But, but anyway, those were my testy moments. On the radio? Yeah, yeah. When I was on the radio in California, it was all smooth sailing. I just supervised the, the alternative show, did my piece, had fun, and just enjoyed. Yeah. But, but the reason, man, I wanted to dive into this today, it's something I wanted since I was a kid. It's something that I was constantly told that I could never do. And somehow I limped my way into doing it for a while. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good. Although, you know, that's kind of half the reason I do this podcast, man. <laughs> I love this medium. This yeah. medium is so much fun. No, totally. I, I, I could I could definitely do something like this just all day long if it were if it were able to sustain my living. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, you know, newsflash to all the sponsors out there, Jonathan and I are available for your sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, that is my story for today, my friend. That's awesome. Very cool. So if you guys want to listen to us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. Check us out on YouTube. Um, you know, Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thank you, everyone, for listening and downloading. The numbers continue to climb, and it's, it's really appreciated. Can, you know, Share on social media as much as you can. And uh, don't forget to check out toysaccessible.com, the website that meets the needs of children with various disabilities where they can enjoy playing with awesome, high-tech uh, toys like one one toy that was really cool. I was like, man, I didn't even know this existed. It was like a voice controlled like remote control car. So that that's to give you the idea of the kind of toys that are that are on the site. So check out toysaccessible.com. Yes, and if you want to reach us, please feel free to email us at info at limpingoncloud9.com. That is info at limpingoncloud9, the number nine.com. And everyone, thank you for listening and downloading. We'll talk to you next episode. See ya.